Welcome to Extra with me, Andy McCarl, and it is my honor, my pleasure, my privilege to welcome my guest today. He is the writer-director of the fantastic The Hole in the Ground, as well as the upcoming Evil Dead Rise. He is the icon of Irish horror. Mr. Lee Cronin, it's a pleasure to speak to you. How are you? Ah, thank you very much. That That's a very nice introduction. It's really nice to see you, and, uh, and to, I'm, I'm looking forward to a nice conversation. I'm feeling confident about what we're going to talk about. <laughs> um, it, was, it was the the European premiere last night. I had the pleasure of attending. What's that like, you know, as someone who, you know, as a family kind of like, oh, I used to work in extra, you know, I imagine Evil Dead was quite a part of your childhood as well. Directing your own Evil Dead movie and then presenting, you know, a premiere in your hometown. What's that like? It's really, really nerve wracking, to be honest. Um, there's something about showing a film to the people that have been on the journey with you, like family and friends. That's actually the most terrifying thing of all. Like last night's screening is the hardest one I've done or will do. We had the world premiere in South by Southwest with 1,300 people in a room. And the people that I knew there, studio, colleagues, loved ones, some friends, some family, they're so diluted by the enormity of the occasion that you don't quite feel it. But, you know, putting on the movie, essentially showing off to your mates is terrifying, like truly terrifying, but also immense pride because I'm, you know, part of what I do and want to do is 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 bringing the work home. And, and I, like, I, you know, I've got a lot of pride in my heritage. so. I always wanted to have the European premiere in Dublin, you know, and it wasn't about the biggest cinema or the this, that and the other. I was like, I just want to get a good group of people together hmm. in a great place and uh, and give them a look at what I've been doing for the last two or three years. You know, um, it was a fun night. If you if you cannot tell by my voice, it was a late night. <laughs> If you um, can't celebrate the night of your, your Evil Dead premiere in your hometown, when can you? You know, what? there was part of me that was ready to go home at half 11 and I was like, right, that'll do. And then once the corner turned, um, let's just say the sun came up. So I'm not a vampire, so I didn't go on fire. As I said, I, I saw the film last night and I have to say, I was very disappointed to find out you're a Liverpool fan. So <laughs> is, is that where all that kind of, you know, earnest and those terrible thoughts you seem to have on screen? Is that where that came from years of, of being a Liverpool fan? In the here and now, yes, I feel pain. The last few years, I probably should have made a beautiful romantic comedy based on how wonderful <laughs> Liverpool's journey had been. It's, it's funny, there is actually... Um, there is a relationship between my love of football and my love of movies, which is kind of all happened around the same time, like being like seven, eight, nine years old. You kind of wake up to stuff. Um, I'd love to make an amazing football movie someday. Because has there been a cracking football movie, really? Escape to victory, goal. And I think what's Taika Waititi is doing, uh, Next Goal wins at the moment. So it hasn't been a, a definitive one. Not in the way they have a boxing movie anyway. Like I'd love to see like an any given Sunday, that version of a, oh, of a soccer film, uh, for want of a better description. But the best depiction, I don't know, we're now talking about football. I don't know why. The <laughs> best depiction of football on screen I've ever seen. Do you remember the, an ad that Guy Ritchie directed for Nike back in the day? And it's this amazing point of view kind of camera and you really feel like you're actually in the sport. It actually kind of felt like a horror movie because people were puking and all sorts in the ad. It was amazing. Anyway, I don't know why we're talking about football, <laughs> but here we are. Um, for me, Evil Dead, you know, it's the best horror series because there hasn't been a bad film in that. Is there any pressure when you're coming into it thinking, oh God, I don't want to make the Batman and Robin of the of the Evil Dead universe? Yeah, don't put too big a nipples on the uh, on the dead eyes. <laughs> Honestly, truthfully, dude, I, like the only pressure I felt was telling a good story. I, I didn't feel the Evil Dead pressure. And part of that was because I feel like Evil Dead fans, not that they're forgiving, but they want, I know they want more and they're, all of the movies are different and they kind of, ex they accept the fact that the movies and even the TV show all have their their own thing going on. So the pressure was more like, how do I make sure I I don't just ape what's come before? How do I make my own kind of fresh story? 
And once I'd found the characters, I kind of trusted myself when it came to the horror and, and had a good time with it. And I'm glad I was able to have a good time because I want the audience to have a good time when they watch the movie. So me not being terrified of what I was trying to do, I think and hope kind of helped the making of the movie and then ideally leads to the experience that people have in the cinema. I really hope that that's the case. So far, that seems to be how people are responding to it. And just on the, the fact that you've changed the setting away from you know, traditionally be an Evil Dead movie, yeah. was there any kind of trepidation on your part or was there any you know, apprehension on Sam Raimi's part that, you know, I'm, I'm taking this out and, and putting it somewhere different, you know, it's you know, to go for hard trope again, kind of the season of the witch yeah, 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 type of thing. It could go either way. How was that initially met? And was there much resistance on that side? No, there was zero resistance. It was, it was, it was, do you know, it was like that. It was like that weird first date where like everybody wants to get the shift tonight. So you're going to go for it. <laughs> like the, 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 I was going to call them the lads. They wouldn't even know what that meant. The gentlemen, um, they wanted something different and fresh. It was, it was just the right meeting of minds at the right time. And I was, it's not that I didn't want to make a story in the, I'd, I'd love to make an evil dead movie, like in the cabin in the woods. And, but I didn't feel like the next Evil Dead movie should be that because Evil Dead 2013 is is a pure reboot of what came before. Um, and I was like, we've, we've got to do something different. Got to try and, 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 and play it in a different way. Um, and once I mentioned Family City, LA, Earthquake, etc., the guys were like, oh, yes, that's exactly what we need to do. Because I think... A little bit of the way that the Hollywood system works is when you've got a piece of these are all these fucking buzzwords we have to deal with, like IP, you've got a piece of IP, like for the previous six or seven years, the producers were listening to takes on Evil Dead. What do you want to do next? And knowing a little bit about it and, and getting some insight, what they were getting was stuff that was way too wrapped up in itself and too referential. Like, you know, wouldn't it be cool if Ash did this? Or, or like Evil Dead in Space, it was all trying to like pour in on itself. Whereas I came to them and said, forget about all of that. Let me take the DNA and essence of what makes one of these movies and just put it somewhere else and kind of crack the universe open in a different direction. And and they love that idea. I remember they referred early on to it as Evil Dead Now, which is a terrible type. <laughs> I think it was actually Bruce Campbell said it. The first news that ever broke about the movie, I think it was in Empire Magazine, Bruce Campbell called it Evil Dead Now. And I was like, Jesus, Bruce, that is not the name <laughs> of the movie. But that was their point. They wanted something that felt kind of like, like relevant, fresh and new. And luckily I gave them the angle at a time they were looking for it. I, I like that you said that about self-referential. We were talking about friends after and we said the same thing. I love the fact there were so many opportunities not this one, a moment with a safety deposit box where it could have been easy to go, you know, put A. Williams on the box or, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like that was the the, the one reference uh, that I that I caught. I'm sure there's a lot more in it. The, the Fonda tree surgery one, which I assume is a reference to Bridget Fonda, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Well, actually, I'm going to let you in a little secret, and I've told nobody this. Every character in the movie is named after an actor from previous Evil Dead movies. Be scanning back now through the IMDb to, to get that. Yeah, so if you go, if you go back, you will you will find like every single character name is linked to or a version of the name of a real life actor that's been in previous Evil Dead movies. Class, that's that's my exclusive now. Thanks for that. And and, and I'll give you one more now that I'm on the run. You see, you're getting me after late night. The, uh, <laughs> the building in it, you know, it's called the Monday Building, M O N D E, which is an anagram of demon. So there's another little little. There's, there's a lot of buried Easter eggs in the movie. I can clickbait the Christ out of this. Now, thank you very much for that. <laughs>
Um, the essence of Evil Dead is really there. And we're, again, really, really felt like an Evil Dead movie. When you're writing something like this, because it's obviously so recognizable, is there any temptation or is there any imposter saying, I'm writing this film for Evil Dead fans. I'm writing this film to get Sam Raimi on board, yeah. but without losing the fact that I want this to be a Lee Cronin movie. Yeah, it's... God, I never want this kind of answer to sound arrogant, but I just didn't feel that pressure. Like, because writing's hard enough as is. So I was like, I'm writing a story's a pain in the ass. I went after the characters. I went after the circumstances. I. It might be fair to say that this this particular Evil Dead movie has a touch more metaphor than than previous ones, which is part of what I like to do. I'm not a social issues filmmaker. I'm not trying to comment on the world but i like there to be a certain humanity that people can identify with getting that what right was pressurized that was you know the the thing that probably ed up the most time in terms of development and and process but once i had that in the bag then it was like oh my god i can have so much fun i, I remember reading something in the past or hearing i don't know but like you know the zuckers making movies like airplane they were like we you know we write the story and get that right before we even start thinking about making it funny and that was in my head with this is like, I want to get the rhythm of the story and I want to get the point of view of these people and give them emotion and give them texture. And then I can start to layer in the horror. Now, that's not to say I wasn't thinking about all the horror set pieces and things that I wanted to do, but I did focus on like one, one of my executive producers that I would kind of day to day talk to about story while I was developing it. We only ever talked about people. We never talked about, hey, wouldn't it be cool if this happened and that went in there and blood came out? We never, ever had any of those conversations. We just talked about the humanity behind it. And I think it's a very intense, gory movie. Um, and none of that would hold and none of it would entice an audience the way it seems to be in, enticing them without the the breadth of reality behind the characters, you know. So that was the pressure, writing those people. But the writing an Evil Dead movie, it was like, I'm a fan. I wasn't going to pay fan service. But I was like, I am going to have a really good shot at making something that I think fans or certainly me as a fan would like to see next. And again, something you touched on there, something I loved about the film. It was scary. Now, with the greatest respect to things like Hereditary and Get Out, which I like, I don't want to come out of a horror film going, was it scary? No, but it really made me think, I, I want to come out of a, a horror movie scared. And I think that really done that. Was that something that was, you know, a deal breaker for you, essentially, or something that you really focused on? Because it, it certainly comes across on the screen and certainly with your reaction in the audience. Absolutely, man. Like, I love so many aspects of the genre, but I, like you said, like I, I couldn't tell you the last time I got scared in a cinema. Even though I've seen great work that paints with the, you know, or uses the horror tool set. And, you, you know, you mentioned something like Hereditary. It's like great trailer, great movie, but, I'm not frightened in any way, you know? Hmm. Um, and I did want to make this a horror movie with a capital H. That was a, a very, very important thing. How you, how I do that or how someone does it, I don't know. I just trust my instincts. And it's a funny journey, man, because when you watch, when you watch your own work in, in different occasions, I remember I did a sign-off screening last August and uh, then I didn't see it for six months until about six or seven weeks ago. And I watched it. And that screening, I was like, oh my God, these characters are really nice like they're cool people and it's interesting because i've been so wrapped up in the technical of the movie that i wasn't that was all boxed off in the edit and it was working and then the next time i watched it was i did it i did it ran a test screening of it the morning of our south by southwest premiere and i was there with my sound designer because we went in we wanted to test the sound levels in the room and stuff and we watched the movie at like 9 a.m in the morning and we finished and i was like 
Jay's I feel like I could have done more. I don't think it's intense enough. I don't think there's enough horror in it. He was like, oh my God, what's wrong with you? <laughs> um, I can only observe it, I suppose, is the point. I can only observe the movie in different ways and, and wonder, have I done it right? Putting my best foot forward from the get-go, I was like, I really want to make this frightening. I think it's fun. I think what I think is fun probably scares the shit out of other people. So um, I'm really excited to see how audiences respond. Yeah, I, I absolutely love And I, I bumped into you last night again. The first thing I said to you is, what the fuck is wrong with you? Because <laughs> <laughs> intensity, it certainly has. Many, many, many things is the answer. <laughs> uh, just one thing I, I want to ask you about as well. You've you done a short as well called uh, Say a Prayer for the Kids of America based on the, um, the, the line from the end of Scream. I know you're a, a big Scream fan. Is that something that a franchise you would be interested in or is there, is there any take you would have on that that you'd go for? Hang on now. How do you know that? What you just asked me about. How the hell do oh, you know I, I, do, I do my research. <laughs> wow. That's an unfinished short film um, that I only have the rushes of that got me into film school. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm slightly blown away by the reference right now. It was exactly <laughs> that, being a massive Scream fan. And it was, <laughs> it was a story. I just shot it with my mates and it was, okay. I was, I was 16. Oh, amazing. <laughs> I, I was 16 years old um, and angsty as hell. And like, I think I did my, I was kind of young doing my leaving cert. I was like 17. And it was all about the build up to doing your leaving cert and failing. Um, and the final line of the movie, it's like, I've got an uncle in America. So like nothing's working out. The girl doesn't like me. And no, you know, my parents mm-hmm. don't like me and blah, blah, blah. And my mate, Paul, who was at the screen last night, who was never, he works in finance. He was never going to be an actor. Um, he gets the final line uh, when I'm like, that's it, I'm done, I'm out of here. And he says, uh, he says, say a prayer for the kids of America. Uh, and it was a complete lift from Scream. The new ones, God, this is kind of contentious. I don't love them at all, actually. I'm I'm quite a purist, which is a hypocritical thing to say right now as um, as the director of the fifth entry in a franchise. But... I'm, it's, it's, I feel the same. I'm the same with like Jurassic Park. I love the first one. And I've watched the second one like twice. And I've half watched the third one. I do love Scream 4 a lot though. Oh, that's an interesting one. I'm a big fan of Scream 4. I'm not quite sure why. But the, the look, the new ones are, I, I can see their success. But for me, like the joy of say that first movie is the genuine whodunit aspect. The fact yeah. that trying to hunt down every clue. And the new ones actually because you you know what it is. It's actually not the filmmakers. You're you're too tuned into the fact someone's going to pull the mask off and say, here I am. Yeah. And actually, you're not following that scent when you're watching it. So therefore, it just kind of feels like a slasher rather than scream. But they're really accomplished, really well made, great set pieces. Um, But yeah, like the OG, the original, like that was my first horror movie that I felt was just for me. Aside from the things that my siblings showed me and was influenced by or shared, I was like, I felt like I discovered Scream. And when I was, you know, in this in the spirit of the name of your podcast, when I was a young lad, I lived five minutes to my local extra vision. And I remember they were doing a refit and I got all their own video front-facing video shelves. So I had them on the wall in my room. I'd managed to get some out of the skip and put them up and had my collection of VHS, my collection of DVDs, and would hang out in my room you know, trying to write and do bits and bobs when I was 14 or 15. And I'd leave movies on in a loop in the background, just on, like like noise, like the way someone leaves the radio on. Um, and Scream, Scream was one of those movies that I would, I, I probably rotated 500 times, you know, in my bedroom. That and Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs. And weirdly, leaving Las Vegas as well at that time. <laughs> 
played it back. I used to have them on a cassette tape, so I had my telly hooked up to the stereo for the speaker. So I used to record them and then would listen to them on the tape deck in the oh, car. <laughs> so I went really? one step further. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> so I, I could literally you'd, you'd record the sound of the movie and then listen to it. Yeah. So I know like the dialogue word for word. Like if Scream came on now, I could say word for word the whole thing, which is probably. Oh man, that's amazing! Do you still have the tapes? I do. They're actually open, and I'm moving house, which is why I have the the scream mask here. So I mean, everything is going out. So no, sure you have the scream mask because you're going to go out and stab people after this. The um, <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. I like that idea. Like like an audio book of your favorite movies. There's a business plan in there somewhere. So you sat there and wrote while they were going on. So that's where you were directing Evil Dead films, and I'm talking yeah, but like, about Evil Dead films. Yeah, I, I didn't write anything horror. I said at that point, I was writing like kind of like like that that era, and even going into film school, I was all about kind of comedy like knockabout kind of like really silly comedy stuff um but was always a deep-rooted horror fan and actually the, the movement to horror i didn't do any horror through film school early years like i did a you know a few little special effect sequences and stuff like that because i love that like stabbings and this that and the other but actually until my first short film and i call it my first in terms of the college kind of amateur years and then what i hope were the start of the professional years and i so that's hence calling it my first short film called through the night that's when the pivot to horror came. And it was kind of accidental in the sense I was speaking to um, my now producer and just beginning to be my producer, John Kevill at the time. And it was Christmas time. I'm going to say it was like 2009, 2010. And I was saying, God, I watched like, you know, a horror countdown show, yeah. you know, like the 50 scariest scenes kind of thing was on TV. And he was like, dude, do you know what we should do? Let's make one really scary scene. That's where it all started. Um. And I was like, wow, I love that idea because I'm such a big horror fan and I actually haven't, bar one short film I made that had a kind of slightly horror-toned ending, just in its in its tonality, less being a horror movie. That aside, I'd never done any horror stuff. And I went, oh, like, thank you for reminding me what that I love. Like, literally, it was like, I, it's almost like, oh, like, how did I not think of this before now? Then that's what I've been doing for the last, like, 12, 13 years, nonstop. Thanks so much for your time. One final question before you go, if you don't mind. Obviously, the, the show is called Extra Vision, and we have a, a section on the show called The X Rental. Uh, the idea of being go back into an Extra Vision one last time, you could pick three movies for your, your Lee Cronin oh. night out. Probably not the best thing to throw on you hungover. But if no, three- no, no, not at all. I, just, <laughs> just, I actually want to go back in time to my local Extra Vision and just lie on the floor. Um, I, re- I remember my dad. My dad's 81 years old, and and he's flying, and he was at the screen and last night, and he had a ball. And I remember our Saturday nights used to be, we drive down to Extra Vision. He'd go for one sneaky pint and he'd send me in to pick a movie. And because I loved so many different things, he'd come back and I'd have a staff from my chin <laughs> to as low as my hand. You know, going, we could rent all of these. So three, okay, three movies. Um, Robocop. Nice. Definitely. Because Robocop is the first kind of poster I remember seeing in a video shop. The first kind of thing I remember looking at, I mean, like, what the hell is that? Talking about old, old school. I remember now I was very, very young. I remember when we used to rent the play, like the VHS player. We didn't have one. So you'd rent it for the weekend and some movies. You'd pay whatever and you'd bring this fucking brick home, plug it in and, and, and play a movie. And that was before there was even like kind of chain places that was like a local guy that did this and i remember watching robocop then so robocop would be one um sorry there's just so many planes trains and automobiles oh yes even though i watched that film on tv an endless amount of times um 
it was one that I'd also rent in between those moments. It's it's even though it's set at Thanksgiving, it's the ultimate Christmas movie for me. And also, I can't watch it without crying. Like that line, "I haven't been home in years," is devastating. Like absolutely devastating. I watched that on Blu-ray, and it's just it, it doesn't look right in high definition. I just no, oh, I need I no, need no, this. That, that, <laughs> that's a film that need that needs its it needs its grain, right? You know what I mean? Like it need it needs, needs to break grain. for the news in the middle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The I did. I gotta remember that. And then the third one, um, I feel like it should be another horror movie, probably. So I'll probably say Nightmare on Elm Street. The original, I assume. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, which is a very, very special horror movie. Very unique. What's interesting about that whole franchise is people all think it got silly, it got bawdy. But actually, if you watch the first one, it, it is that silly and bawdy. It's, it's super, super scary. But there's just some images in that film that are ingrained in my brain that I will never, ever shake. Um, I always think that when you see like the Funko Pops, like I remember seeing a child in a pram playing with a, a Freddie plush on. I was like, he was a child molester initially. How is he, how is he ended up in, in a child's like, yeah, pram like, yeah, as yeah. a toy now? Yeah, what the hell is, do you know what's weird? <laughs> Freddy Krueger, there's, I would dream about him once every couple of months. I will have a Freddy Krueger dream. Cannot escape it. Uh, always, always happens. But yeah, that that's a really special movie and it's a real VHS rental era. You know, like it, it yeah. just, that's how I'm thinking. I know. Yeah, I just think back to those movies and like I saw stuff I shouldn't have seen when I was really young. And I'm gonna I'm gonna break break with your formula and add a fourth, but I'll tell you why. I'm gonna add the shining because my siblings rented the shining, showed it to me, scared the pants off me, but I didn't understand why I was like eight years old, nine years old, something along those lines. And um it, it was an amazing lesson in filmmaking because it terrified me. I didn't know why. I didn't sleep for three or four nights. My dad was away on business, he came home talking to my mother, how's everything, how's Lee? Oh, he was a pain in the ass, he didn't sleep. Why? The lad showed in The Shining and he went, well, that, 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 <laughs> that's why. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. But then he went, oh, I haven't seen it since it was in the cinema. So this was probably like 1991 or 19, something like that, 1991, So he went and rented it. And um, I learned the importance of sound in a horror movie because I lay in bed and could hear him watching it again. And it scared the shit out of me just listening to it all over again. So there's, I know you asked for three, but there's four. I'd be very happy with that four. Um, in fact, that's what I'd love to do the rest of my day is watch those four movies. Much like you did with Evil Dead Rise, you've, you've over-delivered. Just before I let you go, just because you brought up there, The Shining, I, I watched uh, Hole in the Ground again when I came home last night. And whatever, right in saying that's a, a Shining reference at the start. I know that they're, not to give it away, there is a Shining reference of Leaving Evil Dead Rise, but there is a, I believe the start of, of Hole in the Ground is a Shining reference also. Yeah, d- definitely the thought, the thoughts of how the landscape works and the journey with the car. There's also, there's actually a way more overt Shining reference in the Hole in the Ground. There's a, there's a kind of tiny little, I dare say, wow, I sound like a student filmmaker now. There's a kind of a dream sequence in the movie, or at least something that isn't quite in the same timeline. And the wallpaper is just a pure shining ripoff in that scene. Um, like it's hard to say what's my favorite. Jaws is my favorite movie of all time. I can't shake it. But so is The Shining, you know, in its own terms. The Shining just has this, had this incredible influence on me. Um, and I can't shake it. And I absolutely will put a reference to The Shining in everything I do. I'm working on a screenplay at the moment. Um, and had the pleasure of writing a scene the other day where a, a group of disparate people have arrived at this unknown hotel with you know it's all dark and you know there's nobody there like this old abandoned hotel is the word i'm looking for and they're all walking down a corridor kind of huddled around one flashlight and then suddenly there's this dinging sound 
and the character who's straggling at the back has um has tripped over a big wheel tricycle on the floor. Um, I just I don't know what it is about that movie. I think it's yeah, it's the level of artistry, and I guess it's 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 so special. I very luckily got to see an original print of it a few years ago, like held together by sellotape at an old theater in Helsinki, um, which was a, a blast to watch it that way. Um, and as much as I love Jaws and it is my favorite movie, The Shining might be my desert island film because of the dreamlike quality to it. Every time I watch it, I feel like I haven't seen it before. And I've seen it a lot of times, but it always feels like a fresh viewing. Not a film you'd want to watch alone on a desert island like that. Before. That's the last yeah. thing, you know, it's just art yeah. imitating life there. Yeah, it's like, you know, when, when Wednesday pops up on screen with a big bang and you're like, I have no idea what day it is. <laughs> it's, um, it's a special movie. I appreciate that. Um, I get the wrap up signal here, Lee. Uh, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure to speak to you. Lee Cronin, thank you so, so much. My pleasure. Thanks, man. It was a real, real joy to talk to you. Take care.